just when you thought it was safe to go onto iTunes. This is Next Level Guy. The only website that makes self-development as fun as going to the movies. It's time to take the red pill and escape the Matrix. Welcome to another episode of the Next Level Guy Show podcast with your host, Ian Dawson McKay. Today's guest is drummer, actor, speaker, educator, and author, Rich Redmond. He's an award-winning recording and touring drummer based in Nashville and Los Angeles. He was voted Best Country Drummer in 2016 and has been part of over 22 number one hits. In this interview, we discuss his story, music, why you should learn to play an instrument, and how you can use your love of music to succeed in life. But first... A quick word about our affiliates. Next Level Guy has some amazing deals with some awesome companies. To see the exclusive listener deals, discount codes, and special offers, simply go to www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates. That's www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates. I'd highly recommend picking up a copy of the Tools of Titans book, and that's from Tim Ferriss. Maybe a Razor subscription from the Dollar Shave Club, and Alpha Brain from those great guys at onit.com. If you want to build muscle and learn how to be great in gym, you should also check out The Lifting Lyceum by Greg Nichols and Omar Yusuf. You'll find the links on the page. Again, that's www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates. Everything on this page is something I've tried and I recommend to you. Thank you very much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate you're doing this because when I looked at your website, initially I thought you were just a drummer, but you're such an inspiring guy. I couldn't believe the amount of stuff you do. Can you go into a little bit about who you are and what you do, etc.? Sure. Um, God, I, you know, it's it's really hard to get give somebody an ele- ele- elevator pitch, you know, about, uh, you know, what I do. But it's, you know, the, the, the umbrella for me is is entertainment and, you know, motivation and music. You know, everything is pretty much under that entertainment umbrella. I've been playing drums since 1976. So 40 years, I've been, you know, a slave to the master of, of, you know, rhythm and music. And, and, um, you know, I've been able to chase my dreams under this music, uh, you know, umbrella. And then as a result of succeeding in that field, I've been able to, you know, create other platforms for myself, whether it be um, writing books or doing motivational speaking or educating and then, you know, now getting into uh, voiceover and acting and hosting and stuff. So, uh, you know, it's really just about powerful messaging and trying to make a difference in people's lives, you know, whether it be through entertainment or through education. Um, something I absolutely loved was when I looked at your stuff, um, I've, I've seen it was drumming and motivational speaking. Now, that's not something you typically put together. Um, how, right. how did you get into drumming as such? Because you certainly don't even look 40, never mind drumming for 40 years. Oh, well, thank you so much. And yeah. now, I, you know, and now yeah. you're doing motivational speaking. Like, you know, how, how did you start off into this sort of thing? Um, it, it was interesting. I, you know, my background is, is you know, I basically am a, am a product of the music education system in Texas. There's a great music education system in Texas. And, you know, I was in the band starting in the fifth grade and, you know, all the way through my master's degree. I have a master's degree from the University of North Texas in um, music education with an emphasis in, you know, jazz and percussion. And so I figured, you know, I was I always wanted to play professionally that was my plan but I figured well let me get this degree as an educator and that really helped me you know shape me as an educator and as I was teaching along the way I wanted to try to create a nice um a drum clinic you know I'm doing a drum clinic tonight with the with the drummer from Tesla a guy named Troy Laqueta he's been with this band called Tesla which is a you know world famous rock band and we're doing a drum clinic tonight together so what for my drum clinics I just wouldn't want to do like a 90 minute drum solo and say any questions and then you know out the back door I wanted to have some really solid messaging and takeaways for everybody that was in the room and that kind of led to me developing what I call crash and crash is a philosophy for successful living so you know, if people are interested in it, they can go to CrashCourseForSuccess.com. And CRASH is an acronym. It stands for Commitment, Relationships, Attitude, Skill, and Hunger. So these are five things that people can use at any period of their life, in any season of their life, in any uh, profession 
they can use this concept to attract more success to their lives. And so I've kind of just wrapped it around, you know, how can you, how can you be a better drummer? How can you be a better musician? How can you navigate the music business successfully? And that grew into just global messaging, you know, a powerful message that I've been able to bring to, you know, Fortune 500 companies like Cisco and Johnson and Johnson and Microsoft and Hewlett Packard. And it's great because people love the drums, you know, it's man's first instrument. There's something very primal about it that people connect with. And so I just happen to be one of the few motivational speakers in the world that plays the drums. So it does kind of go together in a kind of a fun way. People initially go, I don't get it. And then when they see it, they go, oh, this is edutainment. You know, it's what I call edutainment, which is, you know, providing quality messaging and inspiration, but in a highly entertaining fashion. So people are learning, but they don't feel like they're learning. You know, they're feeling like they're being entertained. And then at the end of the hour, they go, wow, I really learned a lot from this dude. <laughs> you know, I hope that's the goal. Yeah, I mean, from being an amazing drummer, I was watching it, and then people were talking about, you know, like your YouTube channel where, I couldn't see a bad word about you. And people always said, oh, you know, I learned so much from the dots you have. And I noticed that there was a lot of things that sounded just like it was about the music industry um, in your discussions, but I realized how transferable a lot of the advice you were given was. So what do you think makes a good man? You know, how can somebody know that they're living a good life? Because you do so much and everybody seems to have a lot of love for you. So how can we, how can we, be a bit more like you or you know how can somebody know that they're living a good life oh man it's a great question well yeah i mean if you look hard enough on youtube you'll see some there's you know when you put yourself out there like i do and you're on the internet you're a sitting duck for you know pundits and and people that are very bored that can just sit there and crucify people you know and hide behind the anonymity of the of the internet so YouTube's that fun. used to yeah, it used to it used to affect me, you know, but I just like I just try to accentuate the positive and and find those birds of a feather people that are into what I'm talking about. But um yeah, you're you're living a good life if if you can do the things you want to do with your life and somehow put it together and make it financially viable for you to you know, to live the life you want to live doing. It's a really long life if you do something you don't like to do. But the days just fly by for me because I'm passionately involved in, in the, my purpose in life. And so ultimately, you know, I'm lucky to have found my purpose. Some people spend their whole lives trying to find their purpose. And my advice to people is like, you know, try to figure out what resonates with you, what makes you happy, and turn that into a job because you'll never work a day in your life if you find something that you love to do. Um, but I think our ultimate purpose is to affect each other in a positive way and to change lives. And you can use whatever you um, have in your, uh, you know, your back pocket, your skill set to do that. You know, some people do it uh, through, uh, you know, uh, the ministry. Some people do it through, um, you know, they work for their government. And they're, you know, for me, it's music. You know, music is a, a has a healing quality. And I've been to 16 countries and this crazy world of ours and. It's a universal language, and, and it helps people uh, forget about their problems, and it, it you know, cuts across cultural and language barriers. It truly is a universal language and probably one of our highest forms of communication. You know, it, like, is a direct line to the soul. You know, if you ever, you know, you hear about when someone dies, you know, the body is, when the soul leaves, it's just like the body is just a shell. You know, and music is a direct line to the soul. You know, that's why if you hear... Um, you know, a song and it could just create an emotional reaction. You have no idea, you know, why that's happening. That, you know, that's the power of music. So, why do you think that is? Like, you know, if I can see uh, an audience in Japan who can barely speak any English sing a song perfectly, you know, how can somebody, you know, why do we love listening to music when we're sad? And how can, you know, why, why does music have that emotional connection with us? I just think it's a gift, you know, from whatever version of your higher power is. It could be, you know, you know, Jesus, Muhammad, you know, Buddha, you know, it could be um, the universe, however, whatever you like to, you know, consider your higher power. But it's definitely a gift, and it combines all these different art forms, you know, uh, science and math and you know, philosophy and you know, and and you know, just the things that a musician has to do, the commitment that it takes to master an instrument to learn an instrument and then master it you know it's a lifelong pursuit uh, but like i said it's a direct line to the soul and 
And, you know, here's a great example. Like, try going to do an intense cardio workout and not have inspiring and motivational music. It's a long hour. But when you have, when you have music and everybody's in that community, like, you go to these group workout classes, 30 people, and they're all listening to the same song. And it's, like, upbeat, and it's, like, an hour flies by, and everybody's in a puddle of goo of just sweat and they're just like I, wow and if the music stops like i don't know my ipod's broken i don't know what happened it's just a long hour <laughs> yeah i, I completely agree because like a decent a good song you know it just seems to ignite you in, inside somewhere you know it's i mean what do you see as the biggest problems we're facing today what uh, you know you you speak to some amazing companies and deal with some amazing people but do you see a problem, a set of problems that these people are facing in this modern world? Um, a set of like uh, uniform um, problems that people are having. Yeah, do you I mean do you see things that keep coming up, like you know, lack of father figures, lack of you know, um, learning the skills of life, or too reliant on technology? I mean, do you see you know, um, maybe too much alcohol abuse and things like that? You know, do you see? Uh, with the kids you work with, is there a set of problems that we could maybe work on rectifying when they're younger? Mm. Well, you know, getting musical instruments in the hands of kids has is, is been shown to just, like, improve their, you know, there's so many benefits of music education. I have a list here floating around, but, it like, it, you know, it works on your science skills, your spatial reasoning, your uh, your uh, your ability to, to put out fires, you know, solve problems. Um, here it is. Benefits of music education. Look at this. Uh, an increase in language and reasoning, memorization, an increase in coordination, an increase in your sense of achievement, increases coordination, helps keeps kids engaged, helps their success in society, their emotional development, pattern recognition, better SAT scores, um, the use of imagination and intellectual curiosity, uh, improves teamwork, risk-taking, and builds self-confidence. So you tell me right there that, that why are we removing music from the schools? And it's happening all the time. So the, you know, that's part of my messaging is like, look, at my parents bought me a drum when I was seven years old, and they stopped at nothing to see I developed that passion. So before I could drive a car, my dad was driving me around with timpani and xylophones and marching bass drums and drum sets and getting me into nightclubs to go play with like older guys, you know, before I could get into the clubs, you know. So... I, I always tell parents if your kids show uh, interest in anything at all other than Xbox or their cell phones, you know, get them and I'll support it 150%. But I think there's those same universal problems that plague society, you know, obviously, yeah, like um, no parents or single parents or, um, you know, in the music business, you see the worst of everything because, you know, idle time is the devil's playground. So, like, I'm on the road and I'm only on stage 90 minutes a day. So that leaves you 22 hours a day to get into all sorts of problems, and that's why musicians have so many substance abuse issues. And people are also uh, attracted to and intrigued by musicians. They they look at musicians as like um, they put them on a pedestal. And so with that, alcohol and drugs are free to musicians. It's everywhere. So you really have to have a a good grounded sense of self and a good sense of self-control. Like I'm no angel. I'm a social drinker. I like, I'm, I'm Italian. You know, I like to be, I love people. I like to be in big social settings. I'm a Leo, you know, which means I'm, I try to be the life of the party. So, so I'm no angel, but I know that if I have to get up in the morning and do a recording session or teach a bunch of kids, it's time it's lights out. It's time to shut the party down, you know? So, um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you see the worst of the worst in the music business, and you see the best of the best. So, but that's life, you know? Well, something I always equate, you know, people see, like, playing an instrument as a hobby, where it's learning how to deal with a person as a skill sort of thing, you know? And they're exactly the same sort of thing. You know, you still have to learn principles and techniques and things like that. So how is... Playing an instrument similar to learning a skill, and you know, could you go into a bit about like you know how did you master the drums and things like that? Because the learning a skill is identical to playing an instrument, in my opinion, unless I'm completely wrong. Um, learning an instrument is identical to what? I missed that part. Oh, sorry, sorry. it's to like learning. Um, would you say that learning a skill is the same as learning an instrument? 
Oh, for sure. And that's, you know, what I talk about in my crash course, because I have commitment, relationships, attitude, skill, hunger, skill. So like tonight when I do my drum clinic, I'll be talking about all the skill sets I think a drummer needs to navigate the music business if they want to take it all the, you know, the way. I mean, I tell people like, look, if you want to be a weekend warrior and play in the best, you know, top 40 band in your city on a Friday and Saturday night and just have fun, that's great. It takes all sorts of pressure off yourself. But for me, 365 days a year to play with, I've got to be on the tour bus. I've got to be playing shows and showcases. I've got to be recording. I've got to be teaching and writing articles. And it's music is my life. So I have to, you know, it's, it creates a whole other level of stress in my life, you know, to, to make a living from an art form that people love and they want in their life. But in the last 10 years has been devalued to the point where people will pay $4.99 for an app on their phone that makes fart noises. But they will, they will barely pay 99 cents for a piece of art called music. And so we're living in very troubled times where, you know, the arts are being devalued to a, a very a comical place, you know, which is very scary. Um, but, yeah, skill sets. You know, so I talk, say, like, well, you got to learn how to hold sticks. You got to learn how to read music. You got to learn how to play all sorts of different styles of music. And, and I subscribe to the Malcolm Gladwell theory of 10,000 hours. So if you do the math on 10,000 hours to become an expert at anything, you're looking at practicing eight hours a day, seven days a week for about six and a half years. And, you know, I know for a fact that I put that amount of time in. I never kept a journal, but I mean, we're talking about something that's been an absolute obsession for 40 years. So it's probably more on the 10, 20, 30,000 hours, you know, of applied efforts. So, um, you know, the moral of the story is, you know, you can learn anything. Some people are more attuned to something like they might just have like a aptitude for something more than other people. Like I'm a horrible guitar player. I've got these stubby little fingers and as I'll take a break, I'll come back to the guitar and I'm like, this is my year that I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to be a troubadour. I'm going to learn the guitar. And I suck at the guitar, but I go and I can play on a set of drums and, you know, it's and that's my happy place. I was born to do that. You know, and I've been studying acting for the last two and a half years. And every acting teacher that I come across is like, you need to do this. You have a natural affinity for doing this. So I don't know how you're going to find the time. But if you enjoy doing this, you need to continue doing it because you are a natural at it. So if we could just find those things that, that make you happy that you have an affinity for, you can learn the skill set. You just have to apply yourself. And the older you get, the harder it it is learning a skill because we have less and less times. We have more obligations, the mortgage, the yard, the wife, the dog. It's a lot of stuff. So I tell the kids, you know, the sooner you can find something you're passionate about, start putting the time in right then and there because you have the time when you're young, you know? Now, why do you think that is? Like, why do we fall out of love with playing instruments and you know, because you always hear that story about a guy who used to play an instrument when he was younger but now wishes he'd never given up or had learned to play an instrument. Is there ever anybody who can't play an instrument? You know, what advice would you give to somebody who wants to play, who's getting inspired listening to you and wants to get back to, you know, playing the guitar or the drums or whatever? How can they get that drive back again? Yeah, they should do it. I mean, that's the universe telling you to do something. That's what your that's your God given right. It's called intuition. It's that thing in your stomach that's the you have the universe knocking knocking on your door telling you to act and a lot of people don't listen to that they don't listen to their inner voice the muse on their shoulder that says do this at all costs because some, as you get older there's too much at stake like i said the wife the family the mortgage i got to go make my job you know i got some people commute four hours a day for their job sometime i'm like wow that's crazy well how do they work out how do they have any personal time how do they but they're a slave to their income, and their income requires them to do a certain job, right? you know. So, but if you want to go buy that set of drums, there's no reason not to. You can get a set of drums for 600 bucks these days, and it's well made. And then you get some drum lessons. Of course, you can get on YouTube and learn, but YouTube is what I call the rabbit hole because there's no curriculum. You get on there, and somebody is doing a video on how to hold the drumsticks, and the next thing you know, you're watching videos from the most advanced drummers in the world playing things with their feet. And then people just get frustrated and there's no way to get from point A to point B. The only way to do that is to get a teacher. And that's still the best thing you could do is to have an in the room flesh and blood teacher 
that is like a nun and slaps you on the wrist and says, no, you suck. Go practice. Don't waste my time. You know, I had a lot of tough love teachers. You know, some people don't like to do that anymore. Some people don't slap, spank their kids anymore. I don't have any kids, but I was spanked left and right. And I turned out great. You know, so there's something to that. It's like, you want to do this? Well, apparently you don't want to do it bad bad enough because you're not practicing, <laughs> you know. But um, what is great about somebody doing something later in life is they may they may have the resources to do it. You know, there's a there's a station on the there's a station on the internet called Drumio, and they've got and I've taught on there before. They've had the greatest drummers in the world teaching on this platform, and their clientele is drummers 35 to 65 that have given up the drums that want to get back into it. How smart, because there's so many people out there that for whatever reason, they take a break, they take off 20 years to raise their family, but they never lost that little thing that on their shoulder that's going, you're a drummer, you love to play the drums, why did you give me up? You know. So my advice is to people, never give it up. Even if you only can go out in your garage and bang on your drums an hour a week, just don't give it up. Because that's the problem, isn't it? We forget to do stuff for ourselves. You know, like parents, they just focus solely on their kids. People get too focused on their jobs. And we forget to listen, to, like you said, to that internal voice. And I think it's one of the saddest things is when somebody's close to their death and they say, I wish I'd done that. You know, a life of regret is, is the most terrifying thing I think we, we face as modern-day people. Like, um so how do you explain to a kid who's maybe just started with you or their parents to to make that practice fun and to keep the motivation there until they get over that initial terrible stage, shall we say? Sure, sure, it's a great question. Yeah, I tell everybody in my speeches, you never want to be a member of the woulda, coulda, shoulda club. Like, woulda, coulda, shoulda. And you don't want that on your tombstone. You know, you want to, if there's something that life is telling you to do, you have to take massive action. The sooner, the better. Um, you know, in my day, we learned how to hold the sticks. And then we learned these things called the rudiments. And we may have just been on a practice pad for two years before we even moved on to a set of drums. And what I've done recently is, since the whole world has ADD and people want immediate gratification, I wrote, a I wrote a book called Fundamentals of Drumming for Kids, and it's published by Modern Drummer Publications. It's, distribu it's distributed by Hal Leonard. You can probably get it at moderndrummer.com. It's in an ebook or a, a physical form. And basically what I did is, is I just get the kids on the drums right away. I show them how to hold the sticks, and then they get on the drums, and I teach them what the, to play what I call the money beats. And the money beats are those five beats that people hear when they're – in their mom's womb and they're coming up, they hear these money beats on the radio. They hear bands playing it. So I get them that immediate gratification of them being on a set of drums right away. And if they fall in love with it, then we can backtrack and they can pick up the rudiments, which is what we did in the seventies. We started with the rudiments and then we worked ourselves over to the drums and I flip that on its head and I get them right on a set of drums right away, which really actually kind of works against everything I was trained to do, you know, in my classical percussion pedagogy it was like you don't do that you see if the kids are committed and they you got to teach them timpani and and all this how to play in an orchestra before they have any fun playing you know thriller or beat it or back in black or you know i get them playing thriller and beat it and and hard to handle and and acdc like right away and if they fall in love with it like i said we can we can flip it on its head but you know i find that like parents they throw everything against the wall. They, they're taking their kids to football, basketball, baseball, foosball, tennis lessons, ballet. They're just trying to get their kids exposed to artistic endeavors. And if one sticks, and my God, so expensive. Like, my parents were locked out because I just knew right away, 1976, I want to be a rock star. Oh, give me a pair of sticks. And I want to play along with Kiss records, you know. And um, I didn't do any of that other crazy stuff. I was just so focused, like, right away. Yeah, and you certainly achieved that dream. I think it was it 19 number one hits you've been a part of. Isn't that crazy? We're up to 24 number one songs. Isn't that crazy? When I looked at the kind of people that you played with, it was just absolute phenomenal, you know. And has it always just been the drums that you played with these people, or have you played? Do you play like a number of different instruments? And is learning to play one instrument kind of transferable to basically learning another? Or is it really difficult to pick up multiple instruments? 
Now, there's those guys like, you know, your, your Dave Grohl's and your Phil Collins guys. They, like, sing like birds, and they play every instrument, and they compose, and they produce all their records. And, like, I'm not that guy. Like, my specialty is, like, playing a set of drums, playing for the song, making the artist happy. That's like a skill set, you know, coming to Nashville, hearing a song for the first time at 10 in the morning. And by 10.30, we've got a hit record, you know, that we play that's going to get played all over the world. It's like a really specific skill set to, like, um, bring someone's song to life. So that's kind of like, um, call it art, call it a craft, call it a combination of the two. That's kind of where I live and where my skill set is. Um, I don't have a lot of interest in playing a whole lot of other instruments because it's like being a slave to a lot of masters. And like I say, it doesn't come naturally for, to me to play all sorts of other instruments. So I just tried to focus on being a master of my drumming. And then as a result of being an expert at my drumming, it, it allowed me to, to like, it basically gave me permission to write books and speak and act and create this network of people that would say, oh, Rich is a really great drummer, but he's really comfortable in front of the camera. Let's have him host this, you know, radio show or let's have him host this, you know, and it just, it, I think at the basis of all that, even so more than playing the drums, my success in life to this point has come from persistence, determination, fearlessness, energy, but at the same time, just um, personality, just being able to walk into a room and meet people and make and make them allies and and do what I have to do in that moment, being able to read a room, you know, read a room, walk in, know what your job is, execute it, and then provide it, you know, at the same time, provide a like a really awesome experience for people. Because I tell people all the time that, you know, enthusiasm is contagious. It is so contagious. And it's so nice to pull up in a sports car and have a Swiss watch and the Italian shoes and all that stuff. People might remember that for a little bit. But for the most part, they're only they're for sure going to remember how you made them feel, how you treated them, and the experience that you had together. So with life being just a collection of experiences, that's how I approach life. I just try to create like awesome experiences of rainbows and unicorns, man, you know, and you put all that together and you're like, wow, this was one heck of a cool life, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly an impression that you give, you know, that's you see that with too many people, they're too worried about what people think about them and you know, like they they haven't got that self confidence. So where does somebody get that from? You know, what comes to somebody who's listening to this and says, Yeah, yeah, it's all right for you. You started this as a kid or I couldn't do that because of XYZ. How can somebody who's completely musically challenged, shall we say it, get started? You know, how can they start improving to, even if it's just to learn a song, because I read somewhere that if you can count to four, you can play the harmonica and you can play any song on it. I would probably suck on the harmonica. Like I, like I was built to play the drums. You know what I mean? Um, I, but yeah, you. I mean, there's there's how tos on any 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 book. And like I said, having a teacher is the best thing you could do. And do you think you there's know? anybody who can never play an instrument, or is that just an well, excuse? No, I mean, they could try it, but some people are just, they just don't have that predisposition. You know, they're just, it's not in their DNA. It's not their purpose. It's, I, yeah, it's a, it's a really great question. But I, I have taught people that I'm like, wow, I am doing everything that I can possibly do with my 40 years of playing and teaching experience to get this person to go boom, whack, boom, whack, boom, whack whack and I'm playing it I'm singing it I'm shouting I'm sweating in their face I'm doing everything I can to be supportive and they just over the course of 60 minutes can't get it and I'm not going to say that that person is never going to get it together maybe they just couldn't do it that day but maybe they go home and they have an epiphany and they put on back and black and it, it just clicks and they become one of the greatest drummers in the world like I'm that guy I'm like the guy that the glass is half full but for whatever reason you know, on that particular day that I was teaching them, it was not happening, you know. So, I mean, you've played with some amazing people and, you know, you've coached for, I think, for a number of years as well. How how do you coach somebody? You know, what's what methods or what success has have you learned about being a good leader and a teacher? Well, you know, being a drummer is you are a leader 
and a follower slash team player all at the same time. That's why drummers and musicians make great motivational speakers because it's like sports. It's like there's, you're only as strong as your weakest link, and music is a team sport. You have to listen, and everybody's parts have to come together to create this beautiful musical like pastiche. You know, It's got to all come together at the right time um, in perfect harmony, and it's just a really beautiful uh, thing to be part of. But no, drummers are leaders, man. We, we see everything, and we have – so we have usually the loudest instruments, so we have the, the all the power to create the whole feeling and energy and vibe and attitude and everything of the music. Um, but um, but yeah, you know, I've learned also that you know you're really in charge of your own destiny. Destiny, whatever you want in life, you can have it. I will say this: it's really hard to have everything. I've got. Um, I won't call them failed, but I've had two attempted marriages, <laughs> and a ton of girlfriends and so I believe in love but doing what I do I'm a slave to my art and I'm constantly traveling I I'm I haven't unpacked my bags for 20 years so this is hard to you know have a normal life you know and, and the grass is always greener people that are they go to their cubicle and they have the two kids and the mortgage and they go, God, I wish I could be free like you. And you just travel on this bus and you live in airports and people wait on you. And you get to play the drums. And it, I said, yeah, but it is not normal. This is the strangest thing ever. I mean, either I'm in like an airport or a dressing room or a hotel or a tour bus or a recording studio. Sometimes I don't see the light of day. It's it's crazy. And that you have to have, you know, it's not for the faint of heart. It's for like, you know, I'm a troubadour. It's like constantly moving. Um, but you're in charge of your own destiny. So you could do anything you really want to do in life. But sometimes, always, actually, it comes with a price. You know? Well, I mean, it's, it's interesting you said that because everybody's always got that the grass is always greener mentality. And it's a real shame because... There's always bad things about everything. There's always good things about whatever's happening. So you mentioned there about going on tour, and everybody has the you know the mental image of rock stars and amazing crowds, etc. But it can be a long and tough and draining experience, like you mentioned. So how can people get that mentally strong, you know, drive to keep going even when they have little success, you know, and they're just mm. twenty people. You know, is it? Do you rely on your bandmates? Do you? Is it an internal thing? How do you get? Over, how can bands work through that initial hump? Yeah, awesome question, Ian. You're a great interviewer, man. I, I, I gotta tell you, um, there is strength in numbers. You know, I've been playing. I've been just celebrated 20 years in Nashville, and I've been playing with uh, Jason Aldean and Kurt Allison, our guitar player, and Tully Kennedy, our bass player, for. 18 years nonstop. So that's like, you know, almost five presidencies and girlfriends have come and gone. Wives have come and gone. Hairstyles, clothing styles are, have come and gone. They're coming back. We're still committed to each other. We're still playing together. And we did play for those five drunks, you know, but we played for those five people like it was Madison freaking Square Garden. And when you treat every gig like it's Madison Square Garden, the universe opens up to you and and the higher power says, well, these guys aren't messing around, so I'm going to reward them. And the next time we do the show, there's 50 people. And the next time you do the show, there's 500. And the next time you do the show, there's 5,000. And, you know, so now we're playing stadiums. It's like 80,000 people. And I did Chicago. We played Chicago the other night, and it was 27,000 people, and it was a fire hazard. And people are there having an amazing time. And the, I'm there looking at my buddies, and we're like, wow, we did this, man, you know, and you can rely on each other. There's strength in numbers. So if you're having a bad day or you like, you know, you can lean on each other. I lived with these guys till a highly inappropriate age into my 30s, um, you know, you know, three grown men living together uh, to save rent, you know, because we really weren't home very much. So when we were home, we had a place to hang our hat. And then when we would go out on the town in Nashville, everyone would see us together and they would see that commitment. We were like a three-headed hydra. It was like, look at these guys, man. They are a team, like them, like the outsiders. Um, but it's the uh, the music business is very much a, 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 a every man for himself kind of Wild West place. And if you do find some birds of a feather, whether that be people that you can rely on to be friends or mentors or the people in your band, 
it's a little bit easier. But, you know, my first three years in Nashville were tough. It was very much parking cars, waiting tables. I was a substitute teacher. I did construction and just trying to connect the dots and get a steady job. And, you know, one of my first jobs in Nashville paid, I think it was like $150 a show to play with this recording artist. And he had a major label deal. So my father, who's an accountant, said, Rich, you're going to have to do 100 shows with this guy just to make $15,000, which is kind of like poverty. Like, how are you going to pull this off? I said, Dad, I don't know how I'm going to pull it off, but I just got to do it. This is – I." You know, failure is not an option. This is what I have to do with my life. And I got a God bless them. My parents never said, son, get a real job. They always just said, you know, you'll do this. You'll do this, you know. So, uh, yeah, it's tough out there. Anything worth doing is going to come at great expense. And you, I mean, that was a great answer. And you, so you touched on it. And well, actually, one of my next questions was, how do you maintain that friendship with your fun mates, especially when you're, you know, you're getting on each other's nerves, you're toody and you're both, you're all tired. How, I mean, um, Eric Davis, who I spoke to, talked about it as a band of brothers, you know, you lean on your teammates. How can we keep that friendship going and nurture it and develop it? Especially when, like you said, you're living in such tight quarters. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, yeah. Oh yeah. We do get each, get on each other's nerves. You finish each other's sentences and stuff, but you know, it's 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 like a marriage. I mean, you know, in in all honesty, um, I saw uh, you know these last twenty years of touring. I've seen all my bandmates way more than I have seen my blood brothers, my parents, extended family members, and my spouses. Like it's just tough, man. You know, but you know, you've got to bury the hatchet or whatever before the next day because. You got to go out and you got to play music together, but that's okay because you know, you know, music is very. It's like I said, it's that healing feeling that solves a lot of problems. Um, but uh, but no, you know, it's rare. It's really rare. We look at each other and we're like, there's not a lot of people that would take this this far. You know, they they would have quit a long time ago. So it is kind of a cool thing to to see the tale of persistence. You know, persistence is the key to everything. You can have all the talent in the world, raw talent. You need raw talent, but raw talent will always be beat out by hard work and persistence. Always. I mean, do you find things like, you know, having meetings together to discuss issues? Um, do you, you know, like how, because you've been together for 17 years, so obviously there's a strong friendship there, but I mean, is that a case of encouraging each other and having a, you know, a formal way of discussing issues or... What, I mean, why did your bonds stay together compared to, say, other bonds? Yeah, I know this could be like a dissertation for, or a scientific research project. <laughs> you know, I don't know the answer. I just know that that when times got tough, we were there and we just kept playing music, just passionately showing up. You know, like Woody Allen says, you know, like ninety percent of life is showing up, and then when you're there, smile, have a firm handshake. You know, have an open heart, be a servant to the job at hand. And people are going to talk about that. I mean, that's how I built my business is being a sideman musician and a studio drummer and a speaker is that people know that they know what they're getting. And it's not really from business cards or Facebook ads. It's word of mouth. I mean, word of mouth is the strongest advertising you can ever, ever have in any career and good news travels fast, but bad news travels twice as fast. So you really, you know, you really can't have a bad day in anything you're doing. You just have to bleed excellence and be an approachable, sweet person that can take direction and, um, you know, just have that commitment to the job at hand and realize that you're always answering to somebody. Fortune CEOs of Fortune 500 companies have to answer to the board of directors they have to add, they have to answer to the investors even though they're you know they're the ceo we all have people to answer to you know if i wanted to have my own band we could go and we could sell out nightclubs in croatia but i would rather you know be here in you know in the u.s and play these big venues you know <laughs> working for a, a recording artist you know no it makes it makes sense i mean i like that attitude of just keep persisting because just keeping going and, you know, what's it the saying? Um, action creates emotion or no? 
emotion creates emotion or something like that. You know, yeah. it's like if you stop, that's the only time you fail is when you stop. You know, if you fail, if you if you don't succeed at first, keep going because eventually, like you said, you find the the right song, you find the right style, you find the right people to go with, and that could be your life purpose. But you never know if you're going to give up too soon. No, yeah, you you cannot quit. If you quit, you are in the back of the line. It's persistence. And, you know, the one thing I notice about people these days, these crazy kids, I sound like an old man, but they just are in such a rush. And you just can't be in a rush. You have to fall in love with the journey and enjoy the journey. And as long as you're moving forward and you're continuing to have a good time and you're paying your bills – you're winning. You're just winning left and right, you know. So the idea is to just stay in that game, and they're in such a rush. All these Nashville is the new music. It's always been called Music City, but it is it is one of the last places to cultivate a career in the music business. And people are coming here in droves. It's the third fastest growing city in America, and um, all these kids are graduating with their music degrees, or they're coming here with a dream of being a, a music star or being a working musician, and they just want it now. And I and I tell them, guys, I've been here 20 years. I I made $4,500 my first year in Nashville. I was broke. I ate noodles, you know. And I had a master's degree and thousands of hours of of experience. I was ready to be here, and I had a tough time. So you can't be in a rush. So I mean, sadly, we grew, we've grown up in an age now where. You know, we have these people who do startups, and it's the next day. You know, it's like they it becomes a worldwide phenomenon. People go viral, and you know, they get famous for being stupid. And you know, I, I really hate this kind of celebrity culture we have now that anybody can be chasing fame. What's your take on things like, you know, the X Factor, um, the latest America's Got Talent, these kind of shows that, you know, are people would rather go do that than learn a craft and build up their own personal brand. Yeah, it's stupid, and it's fleeting, and it won't last um, because the people that are achieving that are not ready for it. They're not ready for it, and they're not, they're not ready for the long game. So it's truly 15 minutes. You know, I mean, there are, um, there are the, the, the exceptions, like your Kelly Clarkson, who was on American Idol, and Kelly Clarkson can sing the phone book. She has extreme range and style and consistency, and just she's a – musicians musicians he's a singer's singer so that does happen and those those shows can be a platform for for true artistry but for the most part it's it's a bunch of hacks you know and they're just not ready they haven't put the time in and maybe they do achieve a certain level of success and they make some quick cash and they buy a hollywood hills house and and they they do stupid things and then they blow it and then they're back right where they were before you know, that's not the case every time, but there's just something to be said about raw talent, molding it, paying your dues, putting the time in in the trenches. You know, it's there's something to be said about that, you know, so that's that's a perfect way of putting it. That's what I was going to say is, you know, it's like people don't earn their dues anymore. You know, they don't work from the bottom up. They don't learn like how to deal with people, how to grift, you know, how to work their arse off to get to that point. And you know, learn the whole structure and how things work. I mean, every video I've seen of you lately, you're you know you're so inspiring. You put on a great show. You know, your eye is drawn to you when you're watching, like you know, play a song. So, how do you make yourself stand out in an industry that's probably got millions of drummers? Why, you know, what is it about you that, or you, or the way you build a performance in a industry? You know, where there's it's your personal brand rather than working for a company. How can yeah. somebody give a good show regardless of what they do as a job? Yeah, you have to make yourself indispensable somehow, you know? Um, yeah, because, you know, the dream of, you know, working for a corporation for 30 years and getting a retirement package and the gold watch and the 401k and all that stuff is going it's becoming rarer and rarer. You know, it's just a, it's like a, it's like a unicorn, you know, it just doesn't exist anymore. So people are having to, you know, figure out ways to just set themselves apart like immediately. So people can, I mean, you could use the socials like, just like I'm, I'm not afraid to use the socials. I got on, you know, I got on MySpace and started building a brand 12 years ago. Or what was it? Uh, 
2005. Is that seven? What? How long ago? 12 years ago. Yeah. And then as soon as Facebook opened up to the common man, you know, not school kids, I got on that. And I just try to keep everything super um, squeaky clean. You know, I don't talk about politics. I don't talk about religion. I don't. I just use it as a platform to say, almost like a billboard, like, this is what I'm doing today. You can either care or not. And I don't care because I love it and I'm going to keep telling you about it. And you just find those people in life that are interested in what you're doing. Um, but when you start getting crazy about the stuff that polarizes people and creates enemies is when you're shooting yourself in the foot. So I don't use, you know, you can use the socials as a platform for um, it's it's free advertising for you and your brand and what you stand for. So I've used those, and um, and then I just, like I say, I never mail in a performance. I always play like it's the last time I'm ever going to get to play my instrument. And hopefully as a result of that attitude, people will take notice, and they want to be around that kind of person or that kind of energy. And, and I have to, of course, give it you know, up to you know Jason Aldean and his management and his team and everybody for giving me complete artistic freedom to be the artist that I am. I mean, they could very easily say, hey, kid, if you want this job, we want you to just stay in the back wear black and you know don't get in the way but but you know they're they're coming at me saying be the artist that you are be you know i'm 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 coming from you know gene krupa you know the the first household name in drums um he was my big hero and carmine apice was a big hero and um you know these naturally kind of like showy drummers because what i've learned over the years is that people hear with their eyes they don't hear with their 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 ears you know people can just stay home and listen to their mp3 device with their little twenty dollar earbuds but if they want to go experience something you have to draw them in so i do the best i can to draw people into my world and, and make them part of the blissful joy that i'm experiencing on that stage yeah, I mean, and you certainly come across as somebody authentic. You can feel the passion. You can feel the intensity. And it's like you're saying, it's that you see it in you. And every time I watched a video of yours or something on social media, you could feel that emanating off the, you know, the video or the, the text. And you're, you're an honest performer. You're not like these people who are just copying others. You know, you put your soul into it. And that's what I thought I really noticed was... If, you know, you're you're an actual you you play it for the enjoyment of it. You're not playing it for this the fame and the that sort of thing. So that's what I will say to people is do what you want to do, not what somebody else is telling you to do or what you think will improve. Um, you know, when I started the podcast, for example, I was seen as sad, but you know, because from my friends who didn't understand the podcast thing, but I enjoyed it, and I didn't care if it was only two people listening or a hundred thousand. I enjoy it, so I'm going to do something that makes me happy. Oh, yeah. Play, play music. And, you know, this has changed my life more than I could possibly imagine, and I'm sure, obviously, playing drums has done the same to you. But is, um, you know, following your passion, is that always a, p a bit of good advice for everybody? Absolutely. And, some, and, and it might not mean money. You know, somebody said to me one time, they said, Rich, you know, you have to do this because you want to do it. And maybe... The most money you'll ever make playing the drums is $30,000 a year. Are you going to be okay with that? And, you know, at the time I was like, uh, you know, eventually I would like to make more than $30,000 doing this, right? Um, there's nothing wrong with wanting money or being – because it makes life easier. It, it, you know, if you make money, it gives you the flexibility to pursue the things you want to pursue. Um, but that can't be the motivating factor, especially when it comes to the arts. You know, it's a little bit of a different thing. Um but what episode is this? How many episodes have you done of your podcast? Oh, this will be when it's released, probably about number 18, I think. Okay, that's great. I've done heaps of other interviews and stuff like that, but it's just listening and analyzing, speaking to people, and it opens up your eyes to the world of things. I mean, I would have never, when I started, thought that there's a drummer who did motivational talk. You know, I would never have interviewed guys who have watched YouTube videos on for their form for squat videos, for example, or um, email a lady about fashion tips. And then before I know it, I'm interviewing her about how anybody can improve their style. It's 
I think that's the biggest fault nowadays is a lot of guys don't want to keep improving. You know, they just would rather stay in the shadows. They don't want to be themselves because of the way society dictates. We're not to stand out. We're to stand in a corner. And it's it's a really sad state of affairs. I mean, can you go into a little bit about some of your favorite client um, transformations? You know, some of the kids who come to you shy and maybe you've seen their eyes light up, you know, when they learn, when they get into music. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot, there's, there's a lot of that. That happens. I mean, really, it happens quite a bit. Um, you know, I've got man, I've had some success stories. You know, I do these camps in Nashville. My fifth annual Drummers Weekend is coming up, and it's a three-day event in Nashville where, over a seventy-two-hour period, we have the greatest drummers in the world come in and and to us to an intimate group of twenty to twenty-five kids, and they get to hang out, you know, for three eight-hour days with their heroes and break bread with their heroes and ask questions, and it's just super intimate environment for them you know um uh and you know just like i said some of the greatest drummers in the world are teaching the kids and so like i like to provide these outlets for these kids but uh yeah one of my recent success stories is uh well but i know what i was going to say is that a lot of the kids that are coming to my little camps they're going on and they're getting gigs in the music industry they're they're getting into signing bands they're playing with recording artists and touring they're you know working with people and playing on records or they might get a job being a drum tech in a touring band so it's really cool to see like you know they get really they're motivated already but then the camp puts them over the top they're like wow i really want to do this and then i picked you know kenny aronoff's brain who's like one of the most recorded drummers in history or i got to hang out with this with thomas lang is one of the world's greatest drummers and and they get even more motivated but there's this uh, girl that i'm working with her name is sarah cardiel and i, I believe it's uh, spelled s-a-r-r-a C-A-R-D-I-L-E. And she is just like exploding. She's just on fire up in the Northeast. She's in Connecticut. I'm, matter of fact, I'm playing two nights in Connecticut this weekend and she's going to come out with her family. But the key to her success is she has, nat- she has natural raw talent, but she works really, really hard. And her parents, just like mine, are unbelievably supportive. So Sarah, you want to go to this camp? You want this new drumstick? You want this... But, you know, she earns it because she works at it. So she's having a lot of success. She's playing in bands all over New England. And I think that she's going to probably come to Nashville here in two years and, and give it a give it a go. You know, I, I see her being successful at whatever she does. But uh, it's always it's always nice to see people that I come in contact with moving on and achieving their dreams in the music business and in life. That's, that's great. I mean, it's definitely something I'll, I'll be checking out. Um one of the things I was going to ask about was, you know, you're just, you're, you have such a hectic life and, you know, business meetings and, you know, you do so much, like so much stuff, but how do you relax? You know, do you meditate? Do you think like gratitude journals? Do you ever yeah. have downtime? I love gratitude journals. Those are all things that I should be doing. Um, <laughs> those are all things that I should be doing um but do i do like to work out i do like fitness classes like uh, orange theory and barry's boot camp and i i go for runs and i stretch i do some light weight training and um yeah i need to meditate and i need to do my gratitude those are really good things like when i make those things happen life is really really good but at the very minimum um uh doing um my workouts it just makes you feel better especially if i can get them done first thing in the morning if I don't get them done first thing in the morning, they usually usually don't happen, you know, because my life is so crazy. But the greatest joy I'm feeling in life right now, and I feel like the universe is opening up a lot in this whole area, is just this, like, you know, two years ago, I got asked to be in this horror movie called Reawakened, and I played this guy named um, Lieutenant Paxton, and I was on set with all these professional actors. It's my first acting job, and they said, well, hey, what's going on? What are you working on next? What's your next job? I'm like, dude, I'm a drummer. <laughs> They're like, what? You got to do this, man. You're like, wow, you got to do this. So like I took the cue from the universe and I just started signing up, taking acting classes in Nashville and in, in Hollywood. And, you know, I figured like if you're going to swim, swim with the sharks. So I fly to Hollywood all the time and I've got a coach out there. and I take classes and I'm in those classes with people that are doing that and only that. And so, you know, I'm re- I'm there. I'm with the people that are like doing it like blood is in the water sharks are circling and we're like in it to win it so that just gives me a lot of joy and it's work i mean it's it's actually i've added things to my plate because it's 
it's so it's time consuming and you got to work on your scripts and your character development, all that kind of stuff. I love it. I really do. It's so much fun. Well, we're coming towards the end of the interview, so it's time to go to a bit more about you. Um, so I'm just going to throw out some prompts to you, and if you can just come back with whatever comes into your head. Mm-hmm. So I call this a fast break question because it's it's a bit of a, a bit more fun than the you know the, the challenging questions, shall we say. So, what's your favorite film, for instance? Alien, nineteen seventy-eight. Uh, Ridley Scott, love it. Is that the original? The original. Uh, well, it's a good film, that like. I prefer the the one when the Marines go in. Is it um, Aliens? Uh, Aliens. I loved that film when I was a kid. Um, so, who's the most enjoyable like person that you've played with? Oh, uh, the 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 best musician. Well, who like who would you consider the best, and who would you say you've had the most fun playing with? Well, I'll just say that I have the best job in the world. Probably, you know, Jason Aldean. We've got, you know, working on our eighth record, you know, 20, 19 or 20 number one songs, all my best friends in the band. Uh, get to play drums the way I like to play. And then through that association, I've been able to play with people like Keith Urban and Luke Bryan and Eric Church and Bob Seger and Brian Adams and Ludacris and Kelly Clarkson. That's all from that one relationship. So that my relationship with Jason literally changed my life. So. I mean, it's quite a phenomenal list. When you see the full amount of people, it's like you've you played with some greats. Um, I mean, I loved Aerosmith, and to see you play with Joe Perry was just blew my mind. Yeah. Oh yeah, a great band. And what's your what's been the favorite show that you've been a part of or that you've watched? You know, who that? What bands do you watch that blow your mind? Mm. Well, I was always a fan of uh, the, the Police and U2 and Van Halen, and um, those were my guys coming up. You know, my formative. Uh, I, lo- I like Heartland Rock. You know, like um, John Cougar. My two Desert Island records are Scarecrow and the Lonesome Jubilee, and they were all recorded in like the early '90s. But they still sound like they were recorded yesterday, and they they really are we're almost like the blueprint for modern country music. Uh, so they were way ahead of their time. Uh, but I, lo- I like all, as far as my peers, you know, we all get to visit with each other on these award shows. When, so whenever we're playing the ACMs or the CMAs or the CMT Music Awards or the People's Choice Awards or the Grammys or whatever, we all see each other. And, I mean, everybody that's in Nashville and is thriving is a world-class musician. So it's great. So what's an unusual fact about yourself that very few people would know about? Um... God, I'm re- I'm, I am pretty uh, sensitive and emotional. I'm the guy that will always cry at the uh, romantic comedy. <laughs> Any that you're, you you care to admit to? What's that? Any film that you'd care to admit to? What's oh, God. one that gets you weeping? Oh, I would say any... You know, any Judd Apatow movie I love because you're, you're crying because you're laughing so hard, and there's so much that speaks to the human story and the human spirit and our you know, the plight of the common man that you, you're crying for multiple reasons. Good answer. Uh, your favorite podcast? Yours! <laughs> uh, do you know, that's the first time somebody's ever said that. Uh, yeah, uh, you're, no, you're doing good things, man. Just keep it up. And, and hey, I'll pimp mine. You know, I have a podcast called Pick Rich's Brain, and we've had four episodes, and I'm usually good for two to three episodes a month. And I just interview people from music and motivation and, and success. It's all things music, motivation, and success. It's called Pick Rich's Brain. And it's, it's at richredman.com. It's on Stitcher. It's on Google Play. And it's on iTunes. Uh, and I, I was watching a few episodes today. Um, I really enjoy just the, the range of guests that you have you know, on your YouTube. And the, it's like the small matters. It's the big matters. You discuss with other musical um, musical stars and it was just so interesting seeing behind the scenes of what goes into it, you know. Can you go into a little bit about who you're, who you admire the most? Like, you know, is it role models? Is it other drummers? Is it your parents? You know, who do yeah. you to? I love my parents because they taught me by example. You know, they're just, you know, super sweet, hardworking people. They do what they say they're going to do and... Uh, they yeah they were super amazing parents and so I love my parents I love uh, I love all my bandmates uh, I've had some great teachers coming up um, I had see my teachers were uh, Jack Berge um, Jim Hargrove Ricky Malachi Byron Mutnick Larry White 
God, Henry Vega, Alan Shin, Ed Sove, Ron Fink, Robert Chitroma, um, see Henry Oxtell. Those are all my teachers coming up through all my years, and they were all, you know, had a big part in, in affecting me as a musician and, and as a human being. And then people just I like in the in the in life, you know, I like the, Tony Robbins's messaging. I like Gary Vaynerchuk's hustle. I like um, I like Tim Ferriss's you know approach to lifestyle experimentation. Um, there's a drummer that I like named Kenny Aronoff. He's a really hardworking guy that'll tell you that hard work and persistence is everything. Um, I like Mark Ruffalo as an actor. So like, you know, I like Andy, Andy Garcia, Ben Stiller and Mark Ruffalo. I tell you, if you took those three people and put them in a blender, like that's kind of like what I'm going for in my acting thing. And then I like Mario Lopez, um, because he's a sweet, approachable, um, very polished, but still friendly and approachable, like host. So I'm kind of like going for like the Mario Lopez thing as well. I would have seen you more as a Hugh Jackman, you know, this kind of the movies, the singing, the playing. The oh yeah, he, he is a Renaissance man, but I don't think I'll ever have a body like that. He works out six hours a day for the Wolverine movies, and I, you know, I mean, I could see two, but six, wow. Damn it. But that's okay when you've got nothing else to do, when you're getting paid millions of dollars to do it, you know? Yeah, I guess it's true. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, he's got to work out six hours a day, no cheating on his diet, and then while he's doing that, he's training for the, you know, the the choreography parts of the film, the fight scenes, and, you know, he's got to, main, he's got to stay in character, he's got to know his lines. I mean, that's a tough gig, man. It's a lot of work. And if you could put yourself as a band, you know, play the drums in any band at all, what would it be? Oh, my God. That's a really interesting question. You know what? I never it's I'm not one to say, yeah, I would love to be the drummer in the police or in U2 or in Van Halen. But that's not going to happen They're, they, You know what I mean? They've already got a drummer. Um, so so, I, you know, I'm doing the thing that I want to do. And then, you know, the people that I that I have the luxury of meeting, you know, in the next 20 years or so that I'm playing. You know, I was supposed to meet them. I was supposed to play music with them. You know, I'm a big believer in everything happens for a reason now because life is so hard that you have to subscribe to that um, that philosophy, you know, because, you know, some trying things will happen in your lifetime and you just have to say, oh, I'm supposed to learn from this in some way. You know, I just got divorced and, you know, it's an adjustment, you know, you know, emotionally, mentally, fiscally, there's a lot of adjusting going on, you know, but I will say, ladies, I'm single. <laughs> <laughs> if it was that easy, I'd be doing it all the time on here. Like, um, right. Uh, what, I mean, what do you want people to take from this interview? I mean, you're such a likable guy. Uh, you know, you've made a major fan out of me. and I'm definitely going to be following you for, uh, for future. But, oh, yeah. You know, how, what do you want somebody listening to this to take as a, the overall message? Is it just to get back into music? Is it to give it a shot? Or is it to keep going no matter what? Yeah, I would say in life, you know, let's go beyond music. If you want, if you want success and happiness in life, first of all, they're not mutually, they're they're not mutually exclusive. You know, you have to kind of find define for yourself what success is for you. So I had very specific goals for myself, which was to be a, you know, I wanted to be a world class touring and recording drummer. So I wrote that down and I laminated it and I put it in my back pocket. I put it in my refrigerator. I put it in my rearview mirror. I put it in my backpack. And you have to, you know, repeat that over and over. And then you have to take the steps necessary to make those things happen in your life. You can't just say it and expect those things to happen. I like, I want a Porsche. It's not going to happen unless you could find the money to pot, to pay for the Porsche. Um, but I would say um, that you, you can have anything you want in life. So first write it down and then figure out what the steps are necessary to achieve that and then go about it and then don't stop. That's an absolute superb answer. Couldn't put it about yourself. And for um, somebody listening who you're going to have made a legion of new fans from this, how can they keep in touch? You know, how can they find you on social media? How can they find a bit more about your, what you're acting in, what you're playing, um, if they want to come and see you live, etc.? Oh, sure, man. I am a sitting duck on Google. I would love everybody to, okay, everybody get their pens. This is, are you ready? Um, so the, the, the hub for all things is richredmond.com. It's R-E-D-M-O-N-D.com. That'll tell you about everything that I kind of do in a broad 
uh, a broad stroke. And then there's crashcourseforsuccess.com, which is basically outlines my my speaking platform. So if you are a business owner or have a school or, you know, have a community event or a business event, you can hire me to come in and, and speak for you, which is really fun. And then I have rich acts, A-C-T-S.com. And on there, you'll see my headshots and short films and acting reels and all that kind of stuff. It's just fun. If you're really bored, you can go there. Or if you're a casting director or a filmmaker, you could check that out. I would love that. And then I have a new product out called Drumming in the Modern World. You can go to drummingintheModernWorld.com. It's seven hours of high-quality educational material, everything I know about the drums. You go on there. There's lots of learning. There's 120 mini-movies that are educational. You download them directly to your device. And I have a new app. It's called the Rich Redmond app, and it's for Android and iPhone. You can get it at the... Uh, iTunes store. Uh, that to me, that's what I found uh, amazing was the amount of places I could find you and see your brand and see that passion. And you know, you're certainly taking things by storm at the moment. So, I mean, the floor is open to you. Um, I'll leave the last word up to you. Is there anything that you want, you know, promote? Is there something like an album coming out or? Uh, tour or something that you want people to check out is that yes we are on tour right now we're on the they don't know tour it's 75 cities you can go to jason aldean a-l-d-e-a-n.com and come see us it's always a blast the live show is always super fun we're working on the eighth record it should be out towards the end of the year hopefully and i am working on two books i'm working on a book called uh um, Nashville Now What, which is a guide to navigating the Nashville music business. And I'm writing my Crash Course for Success book, um, which is just a motivational self-help book. So hopefully all these things will be out uh, at the end of the year. But come see us on tour. Uh, well, yeah. well, thanks so much. You got a great thing here, man. Next level, man. I like it. I like the title, too. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've, I'm so glad I decided to do this interview. Um, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. You know, you're such an inspiring guy, and I really hope this helps open doors for you. That's it for another week. Thanks for listening. Absorb it. Practice it. Use it. Until next time, keep trying to hit that next level in your life. <laughs>